I forgot my one password master password for three hours the other day. Um, and, and it, it, it did not go well. Or I, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't know if I was going, if I lost my mind or what the problem was, or if my, if just OS 10 was just like threw in the towel or what the deal was, but it was, it was, it was very disconcerting. I mean, not, not to be too dramatic about it, but that seems like the scariest thing that could happen in personal technology. You use that word. And, and, and I thought we didn't use that word anymore. Oh, uh, personal T wordness. Yeah, you 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 really got to get the Farago thing, and then we, we we can set up some some corgi barks, <laughs> right? Um. um so okay. Oh, so geez. so I you 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 told me about when this happened, but then you indicated in the thing that this was going to become a topic for the show. So I, I purposefully did not ask you how or or if this resolved itself so you're you're holding me in suspense here oh that's another phrase that's been run by our goddamn president which one i remember when he was uh, he was asked like during the second debate is like will you accept the results of our free and open election oh, yeah. i will keep you in suspense i i, I hear you though i hear you oh. a, a, a very a very quick aside it, it's it's incredible the amount of just crazy and irresponsible things that he's said over both the course of his campaign and now presidency that we've basically just completely forgotten because it's been eclipsed by a thousand other crazy things. I'm looking forward to the armed second grade teachers. One password. God damn it. <clears throat> One password. So I, I need your help with this because this was I'm a big I like to think I'm up on security stuff and I and I practice uh like responsible computing. Like I think I like to think that I like I cover all my bases and I'm and I'm doing things the right way. Um but yeah, I I for some reason I just all of a sudden one afternoon maybe I didn't have enough coffee, I I came to believe uh alternative facts that like I my master password was different than what it was. Like I had half of it right. And I was just like, what, what the fuck? Why isn't this working? Like, it, I'm like, is, is the app broken? I, I restart, I force quit and restarted the app. I restarted my computer and it just was not taking. I'm like, just, what the fuck is going on? And um, just after like, and I checked my phone. I'm like, well, I, I, I really pray to God the touch ID still works. So at least I will never restart my phone so that I can, if things go super south or sideways, um, uh, that I can like just manually copy over every single thing by hand, I guess. Uh, like all 450 things that are in one password. So, yeah. And then just uh, like around seven o'clock, I remembered what it was and uh, crisis averted sort of, but I still have no no backup plan. So do you think this is in part because you just don't have to enter your master password very often? No, because that's the thing. So, like, uh, with the Touch Bar MacBook Pro, it has a lot of problems. But also, it um, I'm a big lock-my-screen person. Like, I don't, like, shut the lid on my laptop. I will use Launch Bar or some other, like, command to just go back to the login window on OS X. And because of the way Touch id on the mac is implemented very very half-assedly it uh that makes it so that touch id doesn't actually unlock the computer 
the majority of the time with how I use my computer. So therefore, well, I, hold on, I, I don't, I don't follow. So, Touch ID is like I guess only like it's it's really I can't think of another word like half-assedly baked in. Like it only works sometimes. Like half of like Finder uh, in system operations that require um, administrative credentials, uh, only like half the time does that actually invoke using Touch ID. The other half, it just asks for your regular administrative password. And I'm somebody like where if I walk away from my computer, but I don't want to put my computer to sleep because let's say I, I have like a like a, a, a remote desktop session open, or something where I don't want that to end, but I want my computer to be locked. I will use launch bar and then I will type lock screen and it will go back to the login window. Or I'll use like the fast user switching thing in uh, in the menu bar to go back to the login window. Kind of like the uh, equivalent of doing uh, Windows L on uh, a Windows computer. So if you do that, Touch ID doesn't actually work anymore. You It, it just shows you the standard login window. So the only time like Touch ID on the Touch Bar thing actually does anything is if I just shut the lid to my laptop. So, okay. So I, I follow now because the behavior with Apple Watch is exactly the same. Where if you lock your Mac, therefore bringing you back to the login screen, you have to manually type in your password. But if you either close the lid or if you have a keyboard shortcut to just put your computer to sleep, when you wake the computer back up that's where it'll allow you to unlock using your apple watch yeah that sounds terrible and i it's it feels like to me that that did not used to be the case i i thought that i um previously unlocked my mac using my watch whether i put it to sleep or locked it and i felt like at some point maybe that changed but I don't know. Regardless of whether it's new or changed functionality, it doesn't doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Like I, I think it does. Well, I mean, I, I think I understand why it doesn't work, but but yes, you're right that that's not the way it should work. So anyway, like so that's 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 a huge bummer. So what, oh so yeah, the the forgetting the master password thing was not because like oh just because it's so gosh darn convenient to use on this. Uh, weird macbook pro that's not very good um because also on my imac like i it does not have touch id so therefore i'm i'm entering my master password 20 oh, to 50 times, yeah the 20 to 50 times a day that that's right so no so it wasn't that it's just I just, <laughs> it's just a moment yeah but the, but that brings up uh, that like what am i supposed to because so well so okay so you're so i don't think you i think i asked this to you in the thing but i, I don't recall you responding how, how do you how do you sync across devices? Are you still using Dropbox or do you use their... No, no, I, I use the subscription onepassword.com, whatever, whatever. So there's a, as part of that, one of the benefits of using their service is there is a sort of like emergency recovery kit. But you still need your master password for that. Because here's the thing, on my iPhone, I was like, oh shit, like, okay. It, I remember when I signed up to this, like they gave you this like PDF thing where it's like, here is your, oh shit, I need to unlock, like something's not working. Right. But it still needs your master password. Well, so what what is that recovery kit for? I have no idea. So it's like, oh. here's your email address. Here's this weird, it's kind of, it looks kind of like a file vault key for a Mac. And then it, it says, like, also write in your master password. So I don't know what it's for. I should probably do some research on that. It, it, could, it, could it possibly be for if you forget your password just to your one password account? Maybe. Yeah, that, that, that sounds plausible. 
that 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 must be what it's for. Yeah, but I guess my question is, uh, do you have your master password written anywhere? No. So, and I don't want I because this is something I legitimately thought about, and I don't want this to sound weird, and this is going to sound weird. But let's say you suffer some type of injury, like honestly, yeah, and yeah, like yeah, you I, I follow, like your life is in in that program like so much stuff right like what do you do if you just for some reason like are like just can't like don't have your full mental faculties about you yeah no i, th- I think this is a this is a completely fair question and i it's something that i've partially thought about although not in the context of one password and, and what i mean by that is um previously on my iphone when i had a uh, an iphone with a superior unlocking mechanism touch id uh, that allowed you to have multiple people's. Um, <laughs> just got to get. You're very right. No, you're you're very true. Yeah, little dig in a face ID here. Um, both my both the lady friend and I had our thumbprints programmed onto my iPhone, so that was a very quick and easy way for her to be able to unlock my iPhone in case you know she ever needed to access something in there. Um. With with uh, Face ID now, I've just had to create a uh, passphrase that her and I could, you know, both remember. So I, I guess I so I have it covered in the context of my iPhone, but but again, have not thought about it in the context of One Password. Hmm. Yeah, because it's so, it's and, and it's, I was just gonna say some some real time follow up. So I, I'll put this in the uh, the notes as well. There's a um, a One Password page called Get to Know Your Emergency Kit. And it does seem like the intent here is not in the event that you've forgotten your master password, but in the event that you've otherwise locked yourself out of your one uh, password account, because I believe that's protected by a, a different password. But as part of your emergency kit, you're supposed to physically write down your master password. Yeah, so that's the thing where I don't know, because um, I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> I don't give away a ton of. Um like security practices that I, that I do personally, but like, I like, I do have my like encrypted file vault key somewhere for, for a Mac. So, and I, I have, a, I do have some physical copies of, uh, some important two factor recovery codes, but yeah, the, the one password one, I, I do not have a strategy and I'm still unsure if I would ever want that printed somewhere. Right. Yeah, no, I, I feel, I feel the same way. Okay, so I'm gonna assign that to you. So if you can get back to me in a week with some with some pros and cons and some some strategies and some best practices that you've gathered from around the industry, uh, I would appreciate it. Because I because mm. I have I I still have no solution. I I like I've been I've thought about it quite a bit and I just don't know because like that's just yeah yeah because it's it's different it's different than printing out or writing down your backup codes for two factor authentication because those in and of themselves would not grant someone access to your account, whereas the ma- your master password would and, and, and not, much not, more not, yeah, and, and much more right so hmm hmm yeah my okay well i'll um i'll i'll, I'll noodle on that as, as you would say yeah i didn't think it would happen this soon i make many many jokes about being a uh, middle-aged to an elderly person but uh yeah that that was i was like holy shit how do, how on earth did i forget this i mean it's yeah not it's it's not exactly the same thing. I mean, I think your your situation is a little little more extreme on the on the forgetfulness scale. But 
I mean, I definitely felt that way with my whole Backblaze situation from a month or two ago. Yeah, but that's that's different. Like, that's kind of like it, it's kind of well because you would have thought of that. It's just like you oh you were maybe slightly careless. Yeah, well, but it but it just but it it's one of those things where you're just like how how in the world did I forget about that? Like something so important. Well, it's like packing to go to the airport, and it's just like you've you've thought of everything, but then there's just that one thing. But it's not like you, you know. Go ahead. Do, do you know? Do you know that when I came up here for one of my sets of accounting interviews, I, I got into my hotel room, and like the the first thing that I would do would be to you know take my a suit out of my um, suitcase so that I could hang it up so that I can get any wrinkles or anything out of it. And it occurred to me right away that I forgot to bring a belt, like just one of those things that you you know. It's just it's just automatic to bring with you everywhere, just in everyday life as well. Well, yeah, because you need something and, to take off on the TSA line. <laughs> well, I mean, with with TSA pre-check, you don't have to necessarily worry about that. But, um, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I guess I guess that stuff just happens. <sighs> yeah, you always need a, a list a list of five things to remember whenever you go into a meeting. I guess I do frequently have to take off my belt for TSA pre-check because it'll set off the do you? metal detector. Yeah, so I think I think most of the time it's not a universal thing, but I, whenever I leave mine on, it always sets off the metal detector, and I have mm-hmm. to just end up taking it off. So I, I proactively take it off. That's really interesting, huh? Okay, that's never happened to me, and because hmm, that's half the benefit. Because I don't know, I find doing that so so like undignified. I I don't know how to well, explain it. It's it's less undignified than taking off your shoes. Eh, same same general th- i don't know yeah same general idea yeah i've I've literally thought of searching amazon for the phrase plastic belt t or like tsa pre-check belt <laughs> i'm sure they make like a lego belt i'm sure like think geek has some weird thing that you might be yeah maybe you know. <laughs> or you can just have like a gigantic like velcro zip tie thing oh uh, yeah that might that might work too yeah dynex might have something yeah. okay um all right you want to start the show Oh uh, yeah, because I don't want anybody to, uh, to to know that I can't remember my own password. Right. Mm-hmm. Terrifying, I tell you. Terrifying. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So we have, we have we have a lot of really really important follow up to get into this week. So we should we should waste no more time getting into this. Um, and I, I think the the most pressing of which is well, it's it's like half follow up, half segment or new segment, um, which you've dubbed still or sparkling. Yeah, I'm not I'm not married to the name, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, you're a little lukewarm on the name. I I really like it. So I, for, it looks, for now, that's what for now, that's what we'll go. Yeah, with. yeah, fine. Um, so you sent me a photo, well, a couple of photos. One when you first discovered, uh, how do how do we pr- decide we're pronouncing this? Just bubbly. I think that's how they want you to say it. If sure, okay. Um, and then another, um, shortly before the show, which I assume was part of your extensive uh, testing uh, which you'll now reveal here on the program um and just i don't know one, one thing I, I wanted to point out with that second photo that you sent me shortly before we started recording was there <laughs> there was a bottle of advil prominently featured uh behind the can of of bubbly which which i just really appreciated that was not intentional and you can also see that uh you can barely make it out because my phone has fake portrait mode because the camera lens is broken so therefore everything in the top left corner is always blurry um well no but i i assumed that it was not intentional and i, I thought that's what made it even better because it's just it's just there's just advil readily available throughout your home so no matter no matter where you take a photo 
the odds of a bottle of Advil being in the photo or is very high. Ooh, can I make a a, a, a proactive chef special? <laughs> Please, uh, add the Costco size bottle of Advil. No, the opposite. Um, hold on, let me see if I can Google this. So Target has uh these small little. There we go. Oh, we're, we're, god damn it! We're gonna get to this. <laughs> Fucking Google image search. They they took away the the view image, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get there. And uh, and another thing, because uh, Slack is an Electron app, I can't drag an image directly into it. Uh, they make these small little ten count um, travel sites, Advil things, which I keep everywhere. There's one in my glove box, in my car. There's one in my messenger bag. There's one in my camera bag. Uh, one in my desk drawer. Uh, you can't you can't go six feet from me without having a travel size thing of Advil. Oh yeah, no, I, I've I've got one of these as well, and they're super easy to refill, which is great. Um, although I I do prefer um the the liquid capsules personally. Ooh, hmm, hmm. Why? Just a, just a personal preference. I um I don't know. I I'm one thousand percent confident this is a placebo effect. But I, I I find them to kick in a little bit quicker. But the pills are bigger, though. They, oh yeah, they they are quite a bit bigger than the tablets. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Hmm. Yeah, that it, doesn't that doesn't really that doesn't really bother me though. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. What were we talking about? Um, I don't know. Have we did, did we decide we were starting the show? Uh, maybe I don't know. I know we know we're we're in our we're we're in America's favorite news segment. Uh, still still are sparkling. Oh yes, America. North North America. Let's include Canada in the, in the hockey team. <laughs> go go Canadians. Yeah, um, the the game. We should we could we could real time talk about the game too. So the, the real time two days delayed. Would people listen to this on Friday? <laughs> that's right, right, that's right. But as we record, there's the um, women's gold medal hockey game as part of the uh, Olympic women's hockey tournament, and the, the game is currently tied one one. Okay, good. In 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 what inning? <laughs> Okay. You got to get good. your hockey lingo down. No, I, I, I know what it is, and if I must use it, I will use it when I go to Canada. But right as of right now, I will use it as, as a good old domestic trolling, not not the Russian kind. Okay. Oh, oh mm, too soon. <laughs> it's no, and never too soon. Um, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, Advil always lives in between sparkling water and in the the golden corgi snow globe. Um, yeah. It's so I, I got it. I I only bought one one flavor. It was it was a, a, a eight pack, and it was the I bought the orange kind, and it's fine. What is the does the does it have like a, a name or anything, or is it just orange? Nope, it's just orange boobly, b u b l boobly, <laughs> yeah. whatever. But like, it, uh -huh. yeah. So yeah, the the can tab says yo, which I <laughs> I really do not care for. I I would have paid. A relatively decent amount of money to because you yeah i guess you, you also sent me that or i guess this is all part of the same picture my my eyes were drawn to the advil but um yeah this this picture that you sent me um capturing the yo i just i desperately wish i could have seen your face <laughs> when you saw it. it everything about this product pisses me off a little bit because also <laughs> the i don't think i took a picture of it but it might be in the thing that i, I sent you where um on the store shelves where the like the like the paper packaging that the eight pack is like in like a little chat bubble on the thing it says i can barely contain myself 
Like it's just, it's so it's oh my god, it's so aimed at people who are twenty one or something. Is it is that even what people twenty one care about? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. Oh, we'll never know. Um, so this is a uh, you can make a point of direct comparison here because there's also an orange Lacroix flavor, which I I have to assume you've had before. And there's also a citrus flavor of Simply Balanced, which is the best of all sparkling waters. Um, this one tastes it tastes like it has sugar in it, which is weird. Or like or it's just like I, I'm I'm not sure I really care for it. Um, so that that reminds me of I, I'm trying to remember the the name of it. I think it might be called sparkling. Yeah, sparkling ice. Oh, um, that is literally the bottom of the barrel. Well, but it but it, it actually I, I disagree a little bit. I I have to be in the mood for it because it definitely has <laughs> a sweeter flavor than something like a Lacroix. So if you're looking for something just refreshing, I would stick with Lacroix. But uh, if you're looking for something a little more almost soda-like, the sparkling ice isn't a bad choice. But what I was going to say about it, or what made me think of it, was I feel the same way about it in the sense that it, you know, it claims to have no sugar or artificial um, sweetener, but it just it, the way that it tastes, you're just like, how how is this possible? Like, what what other harmful chemicals in here making this taste so good? Yeah, but I would dispute that this tastes good. Or like, I mean, well, I think it's yeah, fine. Sure. It just ta- it tastes kind of like. Um, a can of orange LaCroix that has sat out for 30 minutes and somebody put like half a pack of stevia in. Didn't you describe one of the new Diet Cokes in a similar way where it, it tasted like it had just been left out for a while? Maybe. I don't really remember <laughs> the things I ever say on this thing. Um, so it's quite too, possible. Too, too busy trying to remember your master password. It did disrupt my entire day. I like that. No, I, 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 I would imagine that would take... I know with that backblaze thing, that took me like you know a couple of days after that was resolved to be like, oh, all right, Whew. it's like it's 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 okay now. I would imagine that would be very very traumatic. Yeah, it was especially funny. because man, I've been living in this blissful ignorance that I always thought that there was that emergency kit I could access. But oh yeah, like five minutes in after I had realized, okay, the iOS thing still works at least until iOS crashes or I restart my phone, um, and then I was like, oh. Yeah, the emergency kit, and then I'm like, I'm like, oh, I really hope it's in here. I hope it's in here, and and yep, it's in there. And I, of course, did not fill out the master password on it, and it's just a PDF that has this weird code that does nothing for me. Well, so one thing to point out, um, the when you restart your iPhone now, that does not prompt you for your master password. All you need to do is you there's a, there's a well because you have Touch ID, but for me it's a little face, but for you to be that little thumbprint logo. When you open one password after restarting your phone, you just tap that little logo and it'll allow you to use Touch ID. Well, that that is up to you, though, because there is a setting on there that oh. says, do you want to require a mass password? And for security reasons, I don't actually have that set. Got it. Yeah. Uh, which maybe I should, but also for security reasons, it seems like that's not wise. Yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah. So, bubbly water. It Yeah. So, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say... I like it's just it's meh whatever it so Pepsi makes sparkling water now and it's probably the like this one particular flavor is probably the least good of just buy LaCroix people or if you have a target nearby go buy the simply balanced water because it's better yeah it's a shame that um we haven't been able to find these individually yet because yeah and and, and I'm, I'm glad that both with Diet Coke and this you've you've taken the fall and you've it's three dollars uh, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, when you can buy them individually for 
you know, 79 cents or something. It, uh, you know. I, I went to some place to get, to get a slice of pizza this afternoon and they had loose LaCroix and it was $2 a can. <gasps> and I didn't even know that. Like I was just like, oh, this can't be much. And it's fine. But I was like, wow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> $2 for a lime LaCroix. Cause they only had that and the cran raspberry, which is a disgusting flavor. Uh, thanks Obama. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> so this is this is, this, this, this is not going to have a checkbox next to it an Airtable that says one of the good ones. <laughs> In my internal database, I have a checkbox for when we have a good episode. That's not going to be it. <clears throat> how many checkboxes are there? Uh, I don't know, <laughs> or I don't know how many shows have uh, received that designation, but who knows? Um. So yeah. So that water is is fine but there are many other better options like this this is the htc of sparkling water Hmm, okay yeah i I like i like that like that you brought that back to that technology i appreciate that yep uh quick uh roundabout of pandora stuff uh sure yeah so you are you are still your, your your only streaming music on demand service is pandora premium right it is, yeah. I I recently gave Apple Music another go. We, we I didn't really end up talking about this on the show because I just didn't really feel like there was much inter- interesting to say. But I, I did give it another try, and just continue to really, really not like that interface. Even though it's now taken over other parts of iOS, much to my chagrin. But the fewer places I can see it, the better. And the music app is like Exhibit A of that user uh, interface, and I just I just really don't like it. Um, same with Spotify. I just, I continue not to like their, uh, iOS app very much. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've stuck with Pandora premium. Um, I actually, I actually think their on-demand offering is, is solid. Um, and of course, you know, the radio stuff continues to be the best out there, I think. And, you know, having that all in one place makes, makes a ton of sense. But one of the, the biggest, uh, shortfalls of it has been that the on-demand or the Pandora premium features, have only been available uh, on mobile and not on the web. And that, that finally changed in this last week. So now the entire set of Pandora premium features is available uh, in the web interface, which is, which is great, especially for someone like me who actually ends up probably listening to Pandora more on the web than my phone, just because I primarily listen to music when I'm working. And I, I like to do that just, you know, right, right on my computer. Huh. Okay, so so two follow up questions and then a trap question. So does it still not have an app, uh, an iPad or Apple TV app for Pandora Premium? I do not believe so. Although when the web um, got updated, it's one of the things I meant to check was to see if now the tablet and the TVOS app had been updated because. Previous to the web update, that was not the case. It was still just just the radio stuff on, um, uh, the, like an iPad or your Apple TV. But I, I have not have not checked that in the last week. Hmm. And then, were you aware, or I guess when their earnings came out today, I um, this was the first time I had heard of it. Where apparently there's a thing called Premium Access, which is oddly named, where you can uh, where a, f- a user on the free tier can choose to opt into watching some uh, video ads and get some limited form of access to Pandora Premium? Uh, yes, I, I, I had heard of this. Do you think, hmm, I, th- I think, because isn't that Spotify's thing where people were kind of like, 
it's less valuable or something because they still have a free tier or like that complicates the the negotiating or uh, agreements that they have or something like wasn't that always the knock against spotify mm, I, I don't recall mm. okay um but this is it's the similar functionality to this that pandora has actually had for for quite some time where um previous to this even with just the radio product there were certain ads that would come on where if you opted into a slightly longer ad and you were just a free listener, you could, in exchange for watching or listening to that longer ad, you could get, I think it was like 30 minutes of um, ad-free radio listening. Hmm. So this has been a, been a concept that's been around for a little while. Got it. Um, and I think you, oh, that was my trap question. Okay. I, I'm going to push back on something that you, that, that's been a theme, uh, throughout this long series, which is that you always knock, uh, the need for a desktop podcasting application, yet you listen to a ton of music on your, so why do you feel you don't need the, uh, you don't need overcast or something like that on the Mac yet music playback happens on the computer? Because when I'm at my computer, usually it's when I'm working or even if it's not when I'm working, it's when I'm, I'm actively doing something mm-hmm. and I just cannot for the life of me, listen to a podcast while actively doing something that really requires my attention. Hmm. And, but I can listen to music. And Got so, it. yeah, so that, that's, you know, there, there would, ne- there would never really be a situation where I'd want to play a podcast from my computer. Okay. Understood. Still can't fathom how you run with podcasts, but <laughs> uh, and then I uh, in in our follow up section, I have three back to back sections, uh, which just include uh, company name, continuing losses. So let's just run through them. <laughs> so uh, so so Nokia bought. Uh, we're still unsure of the pronunciation. I'm going to say with things. Mm-hmm. Um, two years ago now, and last year they had a, a very sizable write down. Uh, based off the future prospects of their new newly acquired digital health initiatives and stuff like that, um, a couple of weeks ago, I think they announced that they may be may be cutting up to four hundred jobs. Um, and then this is also something you talked about a couple of weeks ago, where I think they scaled back the features of one of their already existing products, much to your dismay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so what what do you what what do you think about the smart health space and this this kind of thing right now? Well, I mean, as someone who, you know, has a, a Withings device for sleep tracking and one f- uh, for weight measurement, you know, I'm I'm pretty, I guess, I guess not really locked in, but, but I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm pretty hooked into the, the, the Withings or, or now Nokia health ecosystem. And all that's, all that data is just flowing into the um, iOS health app. So in the event that, Withings stopped supporting all their hardware and I wanted to move to something else. I I guess I could pretty easily do that because I I really wouldn't be losing access to any of my data or anything. And at the end of the day, that's kind of all that matters with this stuff. Um, But, you know, it it does definitely go back to the conversation I think we had last episode where it's just, you know, in this era that we live in where we think it's 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 great in the sense that we now have the ability to have our hardware and software constantly upgraded um but on the, on the other hand we also live in an era where uh particularly hardware can basically not be supported any longer 
um, so kind of, you know, you live in a, live in the state where things are being constantly improved, but they can also be taken away at, at any minute, which is just a little, a little weird. And that was a, <clears throat> that was a big thing when, remember, um, I think it was a few months ago, there was, uh, one of the early versions of the, the Harmony smart home slash IR thing got right. discontinued where they're like, we're, yeah, we're going to, what's, what's the word that, uh, technology companies love to use? Sunset. Yes. Yeah. They they were, they were going to sunset the features, meaning it, 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 it don't work no more. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, that's that's tricky, and that's why I'm so wary of so many things. Where like I will download a new app on my phone, I'm like, oh, this looks cool, and it's it's a thing where I'm like, I'm sure it has some type of online component, but like it seems like it could be a self-contained thing. And literally, before you can do anything else on it, you have to create an account on it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So if they don't reach like a million users in the next nine months, uh, I'm never going to be able to use this again. So I don't like that. that. That bums me out of so many applications. Because like once they, they shut the lights on whatever AWS instance it's running on. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so like the idea of heart, like where you are, like essentially even for established companies, like you're kickstarting some hardware venture and whenever they get bored with it or it stops being financially advantageous for them, it Features can be removed or the entire concept of that device can go away. Kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like they, one of their other issues, and this is kind of like a broader question where I think we ended up, we've passed over this a couple of times, but so uh, with things also has a couple of um, smartwatches that compete with um, the other wearables out there. And these, uh, the, the watches they make are more fitness focused, but um, a couple of months ago, Adidas had a line of wearables and they have called it quits on those as well. So like, what do you think the market is for anybody who is not Apple or to a lesser extent Fitbit to make any type of wearable? It's, it's really tough and it, it goes to a broader challenge in the T word space now, which is, these single-use devices or singularly focused devices, it, it it's not impossible. I mean, definitely, I think the you know the Kindle has had a lot of success with eBooks, um, and, they, and there certainly are uh, you know, other other examples of this. I like some of the smart home stuff. I think is a, is a good example of this, but stuff that can be or not even necessarily specific products, but categories that can be easily folded into something like a smartphone or a smartwatch or would even make more sense as part of a kind of a broader use device it's just it's going to be really hard to succeed um as a standalone device when when your when your features can be you know baked into a um kind of broader type of product have you ever felt that it's anti-competitive or like on the part of Apple and so, like some of the other players where people who are making like pretty well thought out devices, just like they just can't ever get a foothold because they can't bro themselves into the operating system. Like, do you just think that's the way the business is or cause like anybody who wants to make a watch that works with iOS can't really just because the way backgrounding works, like it's, it's never going to work very reliably. 
because um because what's 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 the one that you used to like a uh, pebble like right. they they tried really hard like i know they had a lot of flaws in their hardware and the pebble they made they made a metal one that didn't really the kind of kind of didn't go anywhere but yeah they tried really really hard on the software side but a lot of just the nature of the way ios works um and you can see this with like maybe like siri intents and some other things that we might talk about later where a lot of ios for one reason or another kind of boxes out competitors in a um like not necessarily explicit way but kind of by design well so i i think you're you're kind of hitting at two different although definitely related issues i mean one is just having something like health features or another type of feature like i mean like music playing for example like features that previously were in a standalone device but now can just be incorporated into uh, like the iphone like i don't there's certainly no issue with that i don't think but then the second issue where i think it does start to become challenging is where to, to use your phrase Apple sort of boxes out third-party alternatives to those features, or in other, in, or in some other way, gives their built-in solution um, higher priority or or better access. Like, of course, like Safari on the iPhone is probably the the best example of this, where there's no way to make any other web browser uh, your default web browser, and that that does start to become, I think, a little tricky. Yeah, and, and well, that one I kind of get. Like, I will give them the fact that, like, Safari and WebKit are kind of foundational to the operating system and that kind of stuff. For me, it's more like, and this goes maybe to your to your Pandora thing from a few minutes ago, which is, like, there's a lot of stuff where it certainly could be, like, more well integrated into the system where, like, it, it, give, it insulates and gives a big 20-yard uh, head start for Apple Music for you not to be able to say uh hey siri play katy perry on pandora premium or something like that whereas all that stuff like that that is a level of convenience that it, that is afforded to only the first party native things when it is totally possible that it could be more better integrated and i'm sure people like pandora and spotify would be more than willing to do whatever work is required to make that integration work, even if Apple didn't really care to give them a ton of help with it. Right. So, yeah, so um, that's tricky, but yeah, apparently the Apple Watch is doing very well. Apparently, in a recent report that's based off of kind of some, uh, not sketchy, but like uh, maybe sketchily sourced uh, sales data, apparently based off an estimate of 8 million watches sold during the holiday quarter this year, uh, Apple is uh, the largest watchmaker in the world, allegedly. I mean, that, I mean, I, I know Gruber's made the same point and, you know, I, obviously I don't, I don't think either Philadelphia or San Francisco is, is at all representative of the country as a whole, but um, I, I, I certainly just like Gruber, I mean, I see, I see a ton of Apple watches a ton i mean at work just around the city i mean everywhere i see i see tons of apple watches yeah and, and this is one of the things where i think so i think our frame of reference like in, in you you made this caveat it's, it's probably not representative of of the world at large but yeah it does seem like there's a lot of them and also i think that the apple watch in a lot of ways is additive 
to the market because i think there's probably a lot of people like even if, even if you really liked your apple watch like i mean you probably like you're kind of a watch guy right i mean yeah, i've i mean i've worn i've worn a watch i mean since i was probably like five or six if you're going out someplace very fancy you don't wear your apple watch right you still bring out one of your other ones no i i have a i have a relatively nice steel band for my apple watch that hmm. i um that i'll wear hmm I, I feel like if you really still wanted a fancy high-end watch, uh, most people would probably still buy one. Oh, I, I, Just, I think so, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't think the addition has gained any any traction whatsoever. And the steel bracelet or whatever for the Apple Watch probably seems not that... Like, I don't, I don't see that one very commonly. No, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite, quite pricey. But, mm-hmm. um, but no, you, you bring up something that I, I have definitely thought a little bit about. Um, like specific, specifically for me, it's in the context of my wedding this summer. Like I'm not going to wear my Apple Watch <laughs> on my wedding day. Um, but I don't. I don't really have <laughs> a Apple Pay for everybody's bar tab, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but I, I'm. Um, I don't really have a super nice um, watch anymore. So. So I don't I don't know I I have to I, I'm gonna have to continue thinking about that a little bit but um but, but yeah like that that would be a situation where I, I wearing my Apple Watch is is not not what I'm looking for but that's it's not even so much the aesthetic of it it's more of that's just gonna be a day where like I don't I don't want to, I don't want to know the score of the Giants game or you know you, you don't want to be reciting your vows and you get a New York Times push alert that <laughs> says uh, look look what this fucker did right look, yeah look at look at why america should be ashamed now you're right yeah that, that's just that's not what i'm looking for hmm. you would be fine if it was darth congratulating you oh no that that would be an honor that yeah. would be an honor is he invited he or she i i i, I wish he was you yeah. uh so that's it for nokia stuff uh uber uh have are they releasing oh you did the did you just do the british thing no, oh, it, that's that's incredibly disturbing. No, I have not been listening to that much Mike Hurley. Um, I've never heard you do that before, though. No, I I was I was looking at something else. I have I unfortunately have the Washington Post up in this tab, which I will close. Um, no, that is one thing that really throws me out of it, and I don't understand why the British do it. Which is whenever they're talking about companies, they will say Apple have or that like where it's it's just so jarring and weird. Well, that's, I mean, that's why it stood out to me so much just now. No, that that was a mistake, and please, please edit that out. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll fix that. Uh, actually, you know what? The, the show title. Okay. Um, Uber has... Actually, no, I, I am right. So, Uber have, in the past... Nicole, well, hold on, it's, cause I, it's the sentence, it still sounds American when I'm saying it. Or maybe it just has. They have selectively released um financial statements uh on and off like for the first few years back when travis was still in charge like it was always like leaked stuff where we would get um quarterly results from something like three years ago and you'd find out how much money they were losing but i think in recent quarters it's actually been fairly uh on time and it has been uh given directly by the company where it's not specifically leaks so is it fair to say that uber have done that Uber has done that, yes. Hmm. Um. So, on the most recent one, 
they lost $4.46 billion on uh, net revenues. Thank you for your clarification earlier today of $7.36 billion. And, and your reaction when I when you originally posted this was that you thought that was a, a staggering amount of money. Yeah, we've th- this has come up once before on the show because I you know longtime listeners will recall that, uh, and I and I give you full credit here that you have been very very skeptical of Uber's business model and their financial situation for a long long time, and I've I've always said you know you 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 could be right but. There's just no there's no data to really back that up, uh, but since since they've regularly started reporting their financials, this this has one thousand percent supported your theory and has shown Uber to be wildly wildly unprofitable. Um, and yeah, I mean it, it's it it's just staggering to me. I mean you called out four point four six billion dollars uh, lost in twenty seventeen. Um, 1.1 billion in Q4. I mean, it's just that. That's just I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me as as someone who, you know, considers themselves to be relatively financially responsible. OLED TV, notwithstanding. No, that 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 was a very worthwhile investment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, (laughs) Prove me any way that could money could have been better spent. (laughs) Right. Um, I just, you know, I, you know, I I don't know. I I just, I just, losing this amount of money to me just is just mind blowing. I I just, I just don't, I don't even see how it's possible, especially because when I look at Uber, it's not like, and maybe this is a totally unfair statement and behind the scenes, there's a lot happening, but just as an outside observer, like I don't, I don't see Uber dramatically improving or changing or anything over time so like where like where is that money going okay all right so i think i think that has a clear answer so one there's the uh research development and stuff to scale up the infrastructure globally i think um in saturated markets where they're facing increased competition from lyft they need greater driver incentives and things like that to um keep people on the platform, which keeps the users there. So I think those are two big costs that they have to deal with. Um, as people remember from the Bloomberg article about the fall of Travis Kalanick, they are spending um, how's it, $500 million, um, on legal fees. So I think that's part of it as well. So I think there are a number of ways that that money is being spent, but also it's the thing that I've, and not to toot my own horn, I've been saying for literally three years where they are artificially pricing a good below its market value and the cost to deliver that uh, that good or that service to customers, which is why they continue to lose money. And their whole thing has been that, and I mean, I, like, I, 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 I really want to pull up the tapes, but like, yeah, like, I don't think that's changed at all. No matter how much the market matures and even like with the backlash that they've had, like prices aren't going up. And Uber has been banking for this entire time that the only way the numbers actually pencil out is that they just absolutely dominate the markets that they're in. And once they replace all the uh, human workforce with machines, then it's just a money printing machine. But that has to happen first. So, yeah, I, th- I think everything you said there is is totally true. But just again, it, it's not it's not losing money that's surprising to me. It's the amount and just everything that you listed there to add up to a 
four and a half billion dollar loss for the year. I, it just again, I, I just have a really hard time getting my head around that. Yeah, I have a hard time getting my head around one point five trillion dollars in tax cuts. <laughs> well, I, here I mean, we are. The, here we are. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I know you're you're making somewhat of a joke, but I'm not. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, it's it is somewhat of an of an apt analogy. And yeah, I just I just don't get it. Um. All right. Uh, Hulu continuing losses. So in uh, so last year, uh, it is estimated that they lost nine hundred and twenty million dollars uh, in twenty seventeen. And losses are expected to double in the coming year. Uh, but according to Recode and in an interview at the Code Conference, uh, Disney is hopeful. Um, and this goes in contrast uh, to what we had thought last week, which was I think you had said that um, there was believed to have been some type of uh, clause in the contract between the third ownership agreement between the three partners that like somebody couldn't maintain a majority ownership stake. But the Recode article seems to really uh, pave the way that Disney is going to own 60, 60 plus percent of it, and that's going to be the way it is. Well, so, I mean, here's, so I've, I found, so I found the headline of this Recode article really surprising. And then of the first few paragraphs, I, yeah, had exactly the same thought where I'm like, well, huh, like, I could have sworn that the disney fox merger was was throwing a whole wrench into this thing and, and sure enough about halfway through this record article they point out hulu may also no longer get nbc shows in the future since nbc owner comcast may not want to continue licensing its shows to net to hulu after its majority after its majority owned by disney it means the who means the ngs it means the end of hulu as we know it and then right after that it goes on to say mayor who's the disney executive being interviewed here says that won't change the strategy for Hulu, a key part of Disney's plan to sell more of its shows directly to consumers. Like, this, none of that really makes sense to me because if... I, I don't I don't think Comcast is going to agree to just have Hulu continue operating as it is post-Disney-Fox merger. So the, the premise that Hulu is just going to continue growing and getting better in its current state, like that, I don't think that's going to fly or happen... But then I also don't think that if Comcast or NBC were to pull all their programming off of Hulu, that Hulu is just going to continue to to get better and, and all of a sudden succeed. Like I just both both of those both of those outcomes don't really make any sense to me. Well, but right now, and I don't know if it was this article or a different one, it it seems like the Hulu arrangement, even though it is losing a whole ton of money, it is beneficial in making other parts of these content creators businesses look better because Hulu, even, even though they are part owners of it, they're still paying the parent company to license the content, even though for this streaming entity that ends up being a loss. So like, why would they like, if they're getting paid, whatever the market value of their content is in Disney now wants to shoulder 66% of those losses. I don't see it being an NBC's interest to not take that money. Well, I mean, unless they thought that the money was not worth further allowing Disney to to get a foothold on streaming. Well, but and is if, but, well, and so and that's the other part of this, which is that Disney, like this interview, doesn't suggest that Hulu becomes Disney's streaming strategy, which is also expected to launch in late 2019 or something like that. So does that mean they have a they have this one service 
that they are majority owners of, and they have their whole other entire thing, whatever they're going to do with BAMTech. Yeah, I, I was actually a little surprised that that's not where this article eventually ended up going after the, the Comcast stuff was called out. Um, but yeah, there's there's no suggestion of that here, that Hulu will be something different. But But again, like going back to what I was saying about this just not really adding up for me, if NBC does end up pulling their content off of Hulu and Hulu isn't Disney standalone streaming service and Disney's going to continue to have this other standalone streaming service. What, what is Hulu? Yeah. Cause like if, if you want somebody to subscribe to whatever this catch all Disney Fox behemoth streaming service, that's supposed to be like the only thing <clears throat> that has a content library to rival Netflix. Then like, you certainly don't want any of that good content being on Hulu. So it's like, what is, yeah, exactly. What is the service? Right. Like, I mean, does, does Disney's new standalone streaming service, is that where they put all of their, you know, like first party Disney content? And then Hulu is where all of the Fox stuff goes? Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. That just doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So like, yeah, kind of a, I don't know, a weird, um, I don't know. I think I think that's a I think that's a weird I think that's a weird statement to make that Disney thinks Hulu's just going to continue to be this big thing for them. I to to me that's I don't know. I I, I would not be surprised at all if if behind the scenes Disney fully intends on scrapping Hulu post Fox merger and that maybe for strategic reasons there's reason for them not just to come out and say that. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think Disney have great leadership in Bob Iger, so I think they have total confidence that this will work out. I'm, I'm just going to literally edit out every time you do that. Uh, I have the original recording, and I think I can <laughs> overwrite whatever file you upload. Um, two final bits of follow-up before we actually start the show. Um, the Omni Group, we talked about their roadmap for 2018. Uh, I think last week or two weeks ago, um, and they just released Omni Outliner 3 for iOS, uh, which is a fairly full-featured app, uh, mobile app of Omni Outliner, which we love on the Mac. Um, and you had some opinions about it, or or you were bummed that it's it's a whole new upgrade. Well, so I mean, so well, I mean, let's be clear. I'm I'm not one of those people on principle that's like I just never want to have to pay for software again. No, no. And you know, I I'm pissed off every time there's a paid upgrade. It, it could not be further from the truth. I'm you know I'm happy to continue to pay for software that I use regularly and is improved. But I, what I am a little disappointed by is Omni Outliner Two, which I which I use on the iPhone. It has not been and apparently never will be upgraded to support the iPhone 10 because one of the features Omni Group specifically called out with Omni Outliner 3 is that it now supports the the iPhone 10. And that's I I struggle with that a little bit. Uh it's it's not something that I'm, you know, going to become super outraged about or anything, but that that feels a little that feels a little nickel and dimey to me, especially when you consider that, you know, I, I think Omni Group software and justifiably so, it, it commands a bit of a, a premium price, and yeah, again, I think that just that feels it feels a little out of character for them. And it's, it's just it's just a little disappointing. Yeah, I, I and and I I already kind of kind of gave this explanation in Slack when we were discussing it earlier in the week, but like I feel like 
Omni Outliner 2 for iOS came out in 2013. Like it, it's almost five years old at this point. Um, and when the iPhone 10 came out and Apple made kind of selfish decision, like, I mean, I like the notch, sure, whatever constraints they like, uh, developments that puts on the software side of things. Like, I get it. That's what Apple felt they needed to do. And, and we all have strong opinions about the notch, but the fact that that means some company has to try to rewrite five-year-old software to adapt to that while they're already mostly done with the next generation version of their app. I don't, I don't feel very offended that they don't put in the effort to do that. So I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I, again, I'm I'm not gonna, I'm I'm not gonna, you know, throw my iPhone out the window or anything. But I'm... It, it is a bummer for you specifically, just because you're um, a more recent adopter of it. Where right. it stings. Like if if you had bought it also like three years ago, you'd have felt that you got your twenty or forty dollars worth. But since you you only did it like six months ago, that that kind of stinks. And even so, like more broadly speaking, like I, I feel like a pretty uh faithful omni group supporter and you know it just it feel a, a little a little short changed here yeah well you'll you'll make it up on your tax refund <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah uncle steve uh, is is spotting you right um and lastly uh i'm pretty sure this was a phrase but your your new hobby horse which is uh podcasts on apple watch I sent you a link to some new app that I thought would solve all of your problems because it was the first time I saw some like proper like the, we are whole thing is that we want to get podcasts on the watch over LTE. Uh, but I think you said you'd already tried it and it was kind of no different than what you're already using. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, on, I didn't actually find the interface to be any better than uh, the watch player. Just I, I, I didn't really see a, a ton of improvement um in general um and th this app is called um uh what well, well, i can't even think of the name of it now no any Out outcast is that it yeah i think that's it um but in any case i i, I just I didn't see it as being that big of an improvement but one thing that they did call out was that there was this really hacky solution that they had discovered where if you disable the connection between your phone and your watch and the, the easiest way to do that is just to put your uh, phone into airplane mode and then if your watch then kicks over to either wi-fi or lte if, if you have a series 3 watch and then you go to download a podcast it will actually use the watch's wi-fi or lte connection to download that podcast and by doing so the download goes by really really quickly because the the main issue right now with podcasts and the Apple Watch is just getting the the programs or episodes onto um, the watch, and the reason that that's such a pain is because it takes forever. And the reason it takes forever is because by default, it's transferring shows from your phone to your watch using Bluetooth, and that that connection is really slow for data transfer. But again, by kind of breaking that connection, the watch then flips over to a much faster Wi-Fi connection. And so when you had sent me the the Outcast link, that made me think like, huh, like I wonder if this works on Watch Player too, because they, a few updates ago, had added the ability to download shows directly on the watch instead of having to go through the phone first. 
And it turns out that as as part of the update to do that, that they also called out the same thing that, hey, if you just disable the connection on your phone and then download a show, it downloads really, really quickly. And I, I had just missed that part, I guess. And so I tried it like a few times this last week and it works great. We have episodes download in like 15, 20 seconds. It's awesome. And does it have like 30 second skip functionality? Like, is there an easy way to get to a certain spot in a podcast? Yeah. So I, I think my favorite part about watch player is, I mean, obviously there's no, you know, true syncing between, um, listening to podcasts on my phone and then picking them up on my watch. But what watch player has in its native uh, player screen is it has the ability to both do 30 second skips and five minute skips. Ooh. And, and, and it's really, really quick. So that that's the biggest thing for me is being able to quickly get to the point in an episode that I had been previously listening to on my phone. And I think that was actually one of the other things I didn't like about Outcast was that there there I think there was only like 30 second skip functionality. It didn't have the 5 minute skip. Um so again, I mean I, the, the biggest drawback so far with Watch Player has been that long transfer time, but now that I've found a you know pretty kind of hacky way around that but a but a really easy way around it i i think my end-to-end podcast solution for the watch is in a in a pretty decent place now like i i feel like it's in a place now where if i had to use this for like the next even like couple of years like that would be no problem hmm. good yeah all right let's uh let's get to some of the main stuff real quick and then we'll, we'll wrap this whole thing up um so this is something we haven't that we've been talking about off and on for the past few months, but I think we uh, should finally uh, maybe get into it here. Um, <clears throat> this was prompted this week by um, I'd mentioned a few months ago that I had purchased the away suitcase and I had a little bit of a whole thing getting that thing sorted out. Uh, but every, but I'll, overall, I like it and it's and it's great. But they've they've emailed a couple of times over the past two months about some policy updates that some of the airlines are doing related to batteries in luggage and how you have to account for that kind of stuff. Um, and they emailed most recently about a policy change where, yeah, Delta now uh, makes you, like, carry... Like, I don't, I don't know actually what it is, where you need to remove any batteries that you carry with you and, like, hold them with you, and it can't be affixed to anything. Um, so away when it originally shipped their first... Um, version of the carry-on that had the 10,000 milliamp hour battery like it was actually like screwed into the thing where it was not very easily removable and then in the second generation version which is the one that i have it's actually like a spring-loaded ejectable thing um but it's 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 weird that the policy like this is a thing i think the comment i made to you online offline is technology policy around technology with flying has always been kind of weird and hasn't made a ton of intuitive sense so i don't know i think this falls into that same category i think yeah like but the the reason i mostly bring it up is like the way that they handled it was actually very very smart um and and very uh, like clearly written and like there was a very like clear action that the company was going to take to make sure this was easy for customers and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's interesting of like how some of these new companies that like are trying to target a very specific part of the market handle things like this and how they approach customer service. Um, but also to a larger point of that, 
is like how many of these new mostly internet-based businesses that do like one thing are and also going a little bit further like how they convert into the real world like we've joked a lot that is, is it harry's which is the one that's uh in target now yeah harry's and they're not the ones that got bought by gillette right that's dollar shave club yes right okay so like yeah it's there's so many of these things now like it, it there's been like the old stalwarts like casper and um uh what's what's the other one that makes one uh like warby parker yeah so that, like them like they are like the originals but it seems like there's just so many of them now like you even told me that there's now a company that just makes 90 dollars shirts that are a little bit shorter than regular shirts like that's <laughs> uh, their whole time uh, business untuck model. it yeah with a, with a really bad name too <laughs> and going by their website apparently they are pioneering the strategy of you wear two button-up shirts at the same time apparently yeah so that whoever the the biz dev guy was is like we can double our business just immediately so that's <laughs> that's that's pretty wise um but yeah there's just so many of these and these are all mostly venture-backed companies that can afford to just spin their wheels for a few years and, and if there's not enough market adoption they'll just go away um but yeah i want to know what do you think about the proliferation of these companies and then also more specifically when they become tangible and have like storefronts in the two epicenters of like internet retail which is hayes valley and in your neck of the woods uh union street <laughs> um well i i i agree with you in that it it sure does feel like they just in, in general have better customer service and are, are more customer focused and i, I think this um, situation with delta in a way is a is a really really good example of that um and i and i'm also as you know which has been kind of documented with a lot of the recent amazon stuff i'm a huge huge believer in the strategy of both having a great online presence but then having a smaller not not having this be your main part of your business but but some kind of physical um presence um, like I'll give you an example of this, which um, is actually a, yet another example of a company that used to be all online, but now is available in San Francisco. It's called uh, the Black Tux, and they they specialize in men's uh, wedding attire. And like the thought of doing that completely online um, is is probably not something that I would really consider. But they now offer the ability in certain cities, including San Francisco, to go physically go into a location and have your measurements and everything done um, there. And so, you know, I, I think that having that small retail footprint is is really, really smart. And I guess the, the last point, too, which maybe gets a little bit more at the specific question you were answering like I, I think companies that specialize in one thing are very often going to have a, a better product than a company that tries to do a bunch of different stuff. I mean, I, I know I know that we kind of have been, especially lately, giving Apple a hard time, but I actually do think that this is something that they do really well, where because they're a lot more focused than other tech companies, what they do is is really good and really high quality. And so I, I think that's that's another big thing that these 
you know, away um, or Warby Parker type companies have going for them too. Hmm. I, I was I was very up with you until the Apple thing. Um. Hmm. Do you think there's like enough mind share or like patience from the public to deal with having to? Th- because first, like you have somebody that does that thing, and then there's like six other people within 18 months that are also doing that thing. Like in the same way that Casper, despite all my issues with that product, like there's uh, Lisa, there's Tuft and Needle, there's Helix Sleep. Like there's there's always like a whole bunch of fast followers that go and try to do the replicate the exact same business model. And same thing with like Warby Parker and... Um, uh, I think there's like some knockoffs of like Indochino now. Just everything always seems to have uh, most people that try to end up doing the same thing. And then it's just a bunch of people, startups trying to corner the exact same market. But do you think that like customers have enough attention and our willingness to try to like research who is like, who is like the one true company and like find out, okay, well, who's this, this company makes fantastic like uh like undershirts and this company makes good dress shirts and this company uh makes like it's just do people have enough time and willingness to care about all these individual brands i mean that's that's probably not for everybody i that that approach certainly does not bother me um and i mean maybe like we'll maybe like we'll get to with the banana republic stuff if we get there i i really really like you know, finding, especially with clothing, something that fits me well and that um, I, you know, I know what I'm getting. And so, you know, if, if there's a little bit of research that needs to be done up front to find that thing, I think then going forward, you know, I, I have my go-to that, you know, I can either myself go back to or recommend to friends and family. I, that initial little bit of research, I think, is 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 totally worth it. But yeah, I I, I would acknowledge that that's, that's probably not probably not for everybody and then the other thing i'm going to say which is is not meant to be a joke or to be like glib but like is this a thing that like does this ever scale up in terms of like the physical retail presence like are these brands going to be something that only exists for like coastal elites and people who live near big urban centers because like warby parker and casper aren't going to pay for the real estate to put a store in like uh, like just some random city that maybe just doesn't have the the population density to make it worth it so they're only ever going to have the online side of the business and they'll never see that overlap where you kind of acknowledge that um it does make the brand more valuable and like the value proposition better for you i i don't know that that's that is tougher to say i I, I I mostly see these types of companies focusing on their online presence, which will have you know a, a broader appeal, and then their their retail footprint has a much more narrow appeal. I, I I don't I don't think any of them will ever follow the Starbucks model and and try to pop themselves up on every corner. Um, there's there's probably some type of middle ground between the two there, but. Um, but I, I would say again that they they would probably mostly stick with focusing online and, and sort of strategically find places where it makes sense to have a, a physical retail presence. 
Interesting. I do think uh, something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that the the concept of a store like that, like those beta stores, actually a place where somebody could, like where that might scale is that somebody gets to audition and try out and see in person different um, different kinds of, like what what is the name of these things? Like, <laughs> is there a yeah. catch-all name for like mm. the internet-based retailer that like only does one thing? like casper likes is is <laughs> the first phrase that come to mind but yeah um but yeah like like if there was a way where just like every mall like malls malls are dying like i mean like th- that has to be a thing where like consumer electronics can be in these beta stores and there's just some other equivalent just because like there can't be like i don't think target would have the willingness because like they have uh cast like west elm and target have like casper stores within a store or at least they have dedicated sections for it um and as we mentioned target has uh like the harry's um little in-store display but like i I don't think they're willing to seed that much floor space to all these online brands so yeah i'm not i'm not sure where that goes from here but yeah i i'm I'm super curious and it, it continues. I continue to be surprised at sort of how quickly a lot of these brands have gone um, and, and given themselves a physical presence. Like even something like nature box now has little um, pop-up stands inside a Safeway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, there's more and more examples of this every day. I, I think it's really smart, but I, I am, I am surprised at how quickly it's happened. I really do want to know if these companies are making money though. Like, mm-hmm. just like, because yeah. I think I, I honestly, and I'm not trying to, to, like, just be contrarian, but like, it seems like it's probably an Uber situation in a lot of these. Yeah, you, you might, you might be right. Yeah, or especially like the ones like the like the the mattress space has to be, like, there's just no way that like all these seven companies are making are are just selling enough where it's worth all the human capital and, and the marketing expenses and all that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it, the, the, yeah. All right. Uh, how many mattresses does one person need? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, HomePod. Uh, there's not a whole lot more to add to that, except that it is, it has gotten into HomePod have gotten into the Olympic spirit. <laughs> and if you buy five of them, you can uh, make the Olympic rings on uh your your west elm furniture oh got them that is really a big a big bummer because i do have i i really i really like my coffee table and it it has a nice like actual wood finish to it where not that i would have bought a home pod but if like i if i put some speaker on there and it left a big old stand i'd be super bummed it's a it's a it's a weird a weird issue and and one that i just with all the levels of testing that a device like the HomePod must go through, I, I just, it's, <laughs> it's shocking that this didn't get caught. It's a weird controversy because it, because everything Apple makes for better or for worse, just because like of their market position, like they have a lot of dumb controversies. Like I forget, what was the one with the iPhone 10? It wasn't like it wasn't even the notch. Like there was one thing about it where everybody, oh, like it would stop working if it was cold or something. Mm-hmm. Like every single product has a quasi made up scandal. But like on this one, like this is a legitimate weird kind of product defect. 
that like had to have been like you're saying like had to have been observed in real world testing and also since they've been sitting on them for so long because the software wasn't ready and still isn't ready like that that should have a lot more time for testing i I just yeah that's a real head scratcher well and one thing that's happened since this too is people have now come out and said that other devices like some of the sonos speakers do the same thing and like i could not roll my eyes enough at that type of response like and i mean apple and apple hasn't come out with that <laughs> that is their response i don't well think, no but... apple does what they always do which they they post a really passive aggressive knowledge base article right and uh, this one was particularly good but yeah um but i mean like the, the the fact that you've got you know some of the the apple the apple loyalists coming out and saying like well you know other other products do this too like come on come on like that i mean two wrongs don't make a right is like one of the oldest sayings in the book like we do, yeah we've, we've got it we've got to be better than that jimmy got to have an ice cream sandwich after dinner why don't i <laughs> right. why don't i get to destroy your furniture right it's uh it's it's man it's a, it's a it's it was a slow news week but it's it's still really dumb yeah and that's you know that's like five minutes longer than i wanted to talk about the home pod so let's let's move on yep uh real quick in passing the bay area is super expensive <laughs> there have been a lot of, of weird articles that we actually won't get into because they're just like too hyper local to be interesting um but yeah apparently it's super expensive to live here uh and home ownership is out of the question for most people in california which is which is fantastic uh but the one upside of this is that um after all the regulatory changes uh, in San Francisco that apply to short-term rentals and Airbnb, um, the number of listings on Airbnb has gone down quite a bit. To And it seems like it's pretty effectively discouraged people from uh, doing real estate speculation for the sole purpose of taking housing units offline just to turn them into uh, residential hotels. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, that's one of the, the the parts that I really struggle with with the housing situation that we're in in the Bay Area is so much of the issue is a supply issue, and some of that some of that supply issue is the result of both like this Airbnb thing with short-term rentals and with foreign investment and it's that i i I do really struggle with that i i definitely am someone who leans certainly more towards the free market side of things but i i just i find it hard to believe that things like a glut of short-term rentals and foreign investment like that being good for the local economy it just I, I just I, I struggle to find any sort of net benefit that that we that we get from that. Yeah, because Airbnb is tricky because people will remember they had that weird one ad campaign after, in San Francisco after they started having taxes levied on them, where they said like City Hall don't spend it all in one place or something. Like they had a uh, a really horrible ad campaign uh, related to that kind of stuff. But overall, like I do like. The idea of Airbnb and empowering uh, renters and homeowners to, like, to 
lease out space and 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 do it do whatever they feel but there was a big issue that was occurring where in uh housing unit constrained places like san francisco and vancouver and a few others where like it was a legitimate problem where it was taking a substantial amount of housing units offline due to foreign investment and people just trying to make a buck uh, without actually living there or it being their primary residence and due to a multitude of other factors um, of uh, NIMBY activity in San Francisco, uh, that was constraining an already super constrained supply of housing. So I think overall, this, this, this is definitely a net positive. Yeah, I mean, the, the certainly the, the change that's been made is for sure, for sure. But I mean, yeah, it's it's the the you know the the housing the housing issue here in the Bay Area is is a, a super super real thing, and I think it's it's affecting more and more people now. And I mean, there's just absolutely no solution in sight, and it's it's likely to continue to get worse. So it's it's uh yeah, I mean, you're you're right. It's it's a hyper local thing, but it's it definitely for us that live in the area is a is a pretty big issue. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get a couple of Ryan's Bonnet Bees, and then we'll maybe touch upon the Mac, and then we'll get to Chef Specials. Okay. So this one, I think, is going to go interestingly. So <laughs> tell me about bike lanes and, and ride sharing. So San Francisco, uh, smartly, over the last handful of years, has put in these kind of ultra-wide, bright green bike lanes. And, you know, because of, uh, particularly because of the color, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of these. Um, <laughs> I love bike lanes, but uh, I didn't make that connection. Uh, well, well, yeah. They, 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 I'm, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm joking. The color is not the main reason I, I like these, but um, you know, as as someone who frequently uses these these bike lanes, I it, it's just it's so infuriating when cars. It, a lot of times, it's it's Ubers and Lyfts and things, but it's just regular cars a lot frequently too. We'll just park in these lanes you know waiting to pick up people or dropping off something or whatever the case is it's just it's so dangerous because as a user of the lane you then have to go around them which usually means you're either going up onto the sidewalk which you're not supposed to do or you're going out into the road which is obviously dangerous it's just it's one of those things that's just it happens like basically every day and it's just it's so so infuriating so I totally agree with you and like uh, expanded bike lanes and bike boxes and a lot of the uh, urban planning improvements that we've seen in the Bay Area in general have been super interesting and, and a welcome change. Um, but the one I, I think people care, but they also don't care. I think a lot of people, especially ride sharing users, are very would would be super grouchy and, and give a bunch of one star ratings. If people were like, oh, there's no parking or there's no safe space to, to pull over without being in the bike lane or or double parking. Uh, so maybe go go walk further down the block. I think this like just ride sharing people and, and delivery trucks and so many other things that, that do misuse bike lanes are a huge problem. But I think the other problem is also that uh, a lot of people are super entitled and uh, would complain the other way if people did stop legally hmm. again i like i i i am a huge urban planning nerd and i and i am very pro bike and that kind of stuff uh but i i just 
people absolutely should not be using them these ways. But I think a lot of people who are always that, that would maybe say they're very pro bike um, also don't want to walk more than three steps for their for their Uber. Yeah, I mean it, it's if 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 you're, if you're if you're not an active user of these lanes, I mean you're you're not you're not going to give two shits about this, mm-hmm. and and I get that, and that's that's fine. But I mean, just because you don't use something doesn't mean that it's not important to other people. Absolutely agree. Do you remember a few years ago there was a video, and I think there was like some like weird riot or a police disturbance due to some type of sporting event, and there was like a police barricade. And some random girl yells, but my Uber is over there. <laughs> I don't remember that. No. You, oh, I got to find the video for you. Uh, but I think that's kind of what sums up my thoughts on this. Because I think people just, I think pe- so many people are the worst. Uh, people are very careless and um, inconsiderate and do not know how they're supposed to drive. Like, I, I think one of the bigger problems is that nobody knows how to effectively merge into a bike lane when you're making a turn and almost run over tons of cyclists all the time and don't know how to properly use a bike box or don't know that you're not supposed to drive on market street, go to a different street. Like, I think there's, I mean, there's... so yeah, I mean, so even all of, I, I agree. I mean, all of that stuff is also incredibly dangerous and, and can be really frustrating, but even a lot of that, I'm, I'm a lot more willing to let that go and just acknowledge that as being a general danger of riding in a bike lane um, or just you know, being on roads in general but this this the stopping in the middle of the lane that that, that to me is rises to a a different level because i like honestly like the 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 turning um into the bike lane like that can sometimes just literally be like an honest mistake like blatantly just stopping in the middle of the lane that's something that you're doing with intent yeah so i'm going to give you I, I will share some of my urban planning uh nerdery with you there are two blogs or things that you should follow if you're not already following uh there's a website called streets blogs uh sf that has a ton of um uh good reporting and uh stuff about lobbying for safer streets for cyclists and overall reducing congestion which is which is a very interesting read that people should look at and then on twitter if you're not already following them uh there's a thing called sfmtra which is an extra R in there versus the SFMTA, which is uh, people who do guerrilla safety um, installations of trying to make the streets safer for bicyclists. And this is something that's actually very cool. They'll install like those little like, um, I forget what they're called, but the little posts in there where like if your car, if a car runs over, it's not going to be the end of the world, but it also provides some actual separation between uh, fast moving vehicle traffic and cyclists. So it's a group that installs a bunch of that stuff around the city. So I don't know. I think it's it, I think it's an ongoing problem, and I think the city is slowly trying to figure it out. But again, I go back to my thing: is that just people are terrible and self interested and don't care, and people are the worst. <sighs> All right. Uh, and then, real, uh, should we push this to next week, or should we talk about it real fast? The Twitter Mac app thing. Um, I feel like let's maybe push that to next week. I feel like that that could end up maybe being a longer topic. Yeah, okay. maybe maybe it won't be, but I, I could see that potentially going in interesting directions. Okay. All right. In that case, Chef Special. So mine this week, uh, short and sweet. This is actually one that I think you'll like as well. Um, we mentioned this 
um, when it was first announced shortly before the Super Bowl, but obviously then there was not an opportunity to use it because um, it, it wasn't actually out yet. But uh, TiVo Game Skip. So, you know, much like their regular skip technology in um, regular shows, they've now brought that functionality to live sporting events, which which previously were were not supported. So they first brought it on with the Super Bowl. And where I've really gotten to use it is they've had it during the primetime Olympics coverage the last couple of weeks. And, you know, as someone who is not not at home at, at 5 p.m. when the coverage starts, you know, I've been making it a, a regular habit to um, just record the primetime stuff and then, you know, catch up on it later in the evening, having recorded it on my TiVo and being able to. Um, have the skip functionality that I have on some of the other regular shows that I record has just been awesome because there, I mean, there's just, there's such a huge difference between fast forwarding and skip. Um, when, once you kind of experience skip, it's, it's kind of, it's tough to go back to just regular fast forwarding and especially with live sporting events where there are more, more commercial breaks because it's typically, you know, longer, longer than an hour type programming. Um, it's just, it's, it's really, really great to have the skip functionality and it, it it's been working really really well with the olympics exactly like you'd expect it to um the only thing that's a little quirky about it is um you know tivo has that smart functionality in it where you can add extra recording time uh, when it detects that you're recording a live sporting event and it, that's frequently a, a smart thing to do because you know sporting events run long very often the skip functionality stops working after the time that the event was supposed to end so if it was you know three hours of olympics coverage from five to eight but it actually did end up running until like 8 30 or something and if you continue to record that last 30 minutes you 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 lose the the skip functionality but again other than that it, it works great and i'm i'm super i'm super glad to have it now very cool hmm yeah tivo it, it's interesting the ways that they're continuing to like give more value to people that already have it i do wonder if this actually like trans like gets out to the people who might want to buy it but as a built-in existing user it's, it's fantastic and it, it continues to be something that every time i turn my tivo on i expect that feature to be taken away <laughs> it just it feels it feels too good to be true yeah game, game skip doesn't feel as illegal or, or doesn't feel as as uh like counter um commercial or like whatever but like it it's yeah both both are kind of weird things where i'm not it, it it is humans doing it right there's no way that they've trained ai to do this right i yeah i i assume so because and it, it's only available so game skip is the same as the regular skip functionality where it's only available after the recording has concluded so you can't you know you can't pick something up halfway through and start utilizing the skip functionality you have to wait until the the program is completely over um so, um, so yeah, I, I assume that there's some type of human intervention that's involved. Yeah. All right. And then mine, I actually don't know if I've made this one before. I, I, if I very well could have done it two weeks ago, uh, but it's going to be the day one journaling application. Have I done this one before? Um, I don't think so. Okay. So it's an app that's been around for quite a long time. Um, but it's nice that it's a uh, password protected and encrypted journaling application that um, has a very great, a uh, very nice design on it. And it is um, 
very Apple-centric. It has great apps for uh, iPhone, iPad, and also on the Mac. Um, yeah, so if, if somebody's looking to start journaling or have some place to put their thoughts and they don't want to stick everything in Evernote, because Evernote just keeps becoming kind of just a gigantic mess, um, it's really full-featured and it's a fun uh, application and people should check it out. And where where can I find this? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, on the App Store, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it's it's probably uh, dayone.com. Hopefully that's an, an actual website. It is not. That is Mark. Uh, you can never... Oh, apparently it's a Santa Barbara company, though. Um, day one app. Uh, it's dayoneapp.com. Any any cute spelling or anything? Or... Nope, nope. Just just the the way the way it seems. Okay. That's Although apparently their website hasn't been updated in a while because they still have a MacBook Air on the as the hero image on the website, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good though. Very nice. Yep. All right, people, uh, learn to uh, the differences between uh, British and English um, and American English in terms of how to refer to companies and their uh, their employees. And don't stop in the middle of the bike lane. Eh, unless your Uber's there. 